What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, guys? Welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football. We made it. We are here. Football is starting. This is releasing Thursday morning. And whoo does it feel good to be back. We're going to go over starts and sits, my favorite DFS plays. We're also going to go over wins I'm confident in, talking survivor picks, defensive streamers, and... What I'm super excited to talk about, situations to monitor, things that we can look forward to finding out, answering, you know, so many questions that we have coming into the season with no preseason, no pretty much anything other than coach speak to work off of. So it's going to be a great week. And if you're listening to this after Thursday, don't worry. It's not just about Thursday's game, which should be a good one. We're seeing the Chiefs versus Texans tonight. I cannot wait. And I'm going to start you guys off with my Thrifty Thursday pickup. Remember, this is a rule for any leagues that you are in where you are allowed to drop a player after they have already played. This is most leagues, uh, especially if you're on Sleeper. If you're on Sleeper, you're definitely going to be able to do this unless the commissioner forcefully, or not forcefully, but purposefully changed it to not being able to do so because the default allows you to do this. So my Thrifty Thursday pickup, if you're in any 10-team leagues, Duke Johnson might be on the waiver. If Duke Johnson is on the waiver, pick him up because if David Johnson goes down in this game tonight, you got a top 24 running back for basically nothing and you beat everyone to it because if you wait and then David Johnson goes down, now Duke is on the waiver. He has to process all the way through to Tuesday and everyone gets to bid on him. So pick him up, drop your kicker, drop your defense. If you're not in a league with a kicker or defense and you have you know, somebody on your bench that's not crazy, you don't mind dropping them because it's a deep bench or whatnot, pick up Duke Johnson for him, see what happens. Same thing goes for Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams might be on the waiver if you're in a 12-team league. Hopefully Duke Johnson isn't because, I mean, I would be wondering why you hadn't drafted him, but maybe you're a beast and maybe you, you know, just were finding great value. But whatever the case may be, Duke Johnson, Daryl Williams, those are two guys you guys have to pick up if you are able to do so. And if anyone goes down, Clyde or, or David Johnson, you got a league winner right there for nothing. So try that out. And, you know, if it doesn't pan out, you just drop them and pick up your kicker or defense or whoever you dropped. And even if you dropped a player that wasn't a kicker or defense, you can probably find somebody just as good as that guy on the waiver to replace Duke Johnson or Daryl Williams if you drop them. With that said, before I get into my starts, my favorite guys this week, whether we're talking about for starting purposes or for DFS plays, I want to remind you guys to drop a review leave a rating for me if you enjoy the podcast and reach out to some friends. We're going to be grinding now. We are in season. I'm going to be having episode every Tuesday release and every Thursday release and the Thursday one. So I've kind of gotten things figured out to this point. Thursday, I'm not going to do a recap like I said I was originally. Thursday is going to be basically what we talked about, what we're talking about today. Monday is going to be the recap and the waiver wire. So Monday is going to be those two things 
Thursday is going to be everything else. Also on Monday, we're going to look back at the things that we're going to talk about later today, the situations to monitor. We're going to talk about, you know, what we found out and how does that change things moving forward. With all that said, remember to reach out to your friends, tell them about the podcast, and here are my starts. Going into tonight, my favorite start tonight, if you're playing, you know, the one game on FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever, make sure you put Will Fuller in as one of your players. Will Fuller is the only guy on the Texans that Deshaun Watson has chemistry with right now. Renault Cobb is new. Brandon Cooks is new. David Johnson is new. So Will Fuller is going to be the go-to guy. He's going to get a lot of targets. And guess what? I know about Brandon Cooks. I love Brandon Cooks. I know he's always good wherever he goes, even in the first year, and has chemistry with the quarterback. But this offseason is like nothing we have ever seen before. So Will Fuller is going to be like the bona fide number one, in my opinion. And it's not like Kansas City has a shutdown corner that's going to just stop him. So Will Fuller is my favorite play. He's going to come out healthy, ready to go. Another play I like This is, you know, a little bit deeper leagues, Jonathan Taylor versus Jacksonville and Marlon Mack versus Jacksonville. And this is going to be something interesting. Another thing that we should monitor. How do the Colts use Mack and Taylor? Let's say the Colts get a huge lead on the Jaguars. If they do so, do they run out the clock with Jonathan Taylor or do they run out the clock with Marlon Mack? Do they try and preserve Taylor or do they try and get him going? So it'll be very interesting to see how they use that. I do think they're going to win that game, but man, it would be so sweet, so sweet if Minshew was able to come out, guns a-blazing, DJ Chark puts up a 150-yard, two-touchdown game, and Minshew not only gives a loss to Indianapolis, but also a loss to the Jaguars' front office. That would be amazing. I would love that. I'm actually rooting for that. But Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, the Jacksonville defense has been gutted, And they should be able to just run down their throat. So those are good plays. Then we also have Gardner Minshew versus Indy. Who would have known? My guy is going to be coming out ready to let it rip. He's got nothing to lose because he knows that Jacksonville is not, you know, putting them in their plans for the future. So he's going to come out Ryan Fitzpatrick style, take risks, try and show that he has potential. And he's probably going to run the ball a lot, especially if Indy is you know, pulls up a lead and Minshew's trying to play catch up, he's going to be throwing the ball and he's going to be doing whatever he can. With Fournette gone, it might raise his rushing ceiling. So Gardner Minshew, I like him versus Indy for DFS. If you don't want to start him in your regular seasonal lineups week one and you just want to let him marinate on the bench and see what he's got for you, that's fine. I don't blame you. Another guy I really like, Preston Williams versus New England. New England lost so many defensive pieces, but Stephon Gilmore is still playing and You know who he's probably not going to be covering? Preston Williams. He's probably going to be covering Devontae Parker. And so Preston Williams is going to be the easy option for Fitzpatrick. Also, Fitzpatrick, not Tua, Fitzpatrick. Like I was just talking about with Minshew, these are some seamless transitions, by the way. I did not even plan this. But just like we were talking about with Minshew, letting it rip, as Fitzpatrick does, well, Fitzpatrick's going to do so to Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. And Preston Williams is not going to have Gilmore on him more likely than not. So he's a guy that I really like for DFS. And if you're in a really deep league and you need to slide him in the flex, don't feel bad about it. Then this is definitely by far one of my, if not my favorite, play of the week, Deshaun Jackson versus Washington. Let's just try and remember what happened last year. Deshaun Jackson in his one truly healthy game 
versus Washington went off for, was it 200 yards or 150 yards and two touchdowns? And he was a beast. He won, you know, he was part of what won so many people, DFS lineups, him and Sammy Watkins. So Desha- Deshaun Jackson is somebody that I'm starting versus Washington easily, especially considering the fact that Alshon is out and Jalen Rager is out. So it's basically a Deshaun Jackson, Zach Ertz show. So I like Zach Ertz a lot too. Then we have the Bills-Jets matchup. The Jets, oh my goodness, the Jets defense was already not good. Then they lost Jamal Adams in the trade to Seattle, and then they also had C.J. Mosley opt out. So their defense is possibly the worst in the league. I don't know if it's going to be worse than Cincinnati, but it's probably one of the worst defenses in the league, and Josh Allen is going to run all over them. And here's the sneaky one. This is this is one I really like for DFS because he's probably going to come really cheap. John Brown. Let's think about this for a second. Last year, John Brown was in the top 24 wide receivers. Last year, John Brown was way more consistent than anybody would have expected, especially with a passer like Josh Allen. This year, they added Stephon Diggs. That makes John Brown's job so much easier. He's not going to be the number one person that the defense is worried about. He's not going to see the number one cornerback. That's going to be on Diggs. And not only that, but it's the perfect storm for week one because the Jets have a bad defense and Josh Allen has not played any real games with Stephon Diggs yet. So John Brown is probably going to be the guy he feels most comfortable throwing the ball to. And I wouldn't be surprised if John Brown leads the team in targets versus the Jets. So John Brown is somebody I really, really love for DFS. And I'm going to be putting him everywhere. Another guy that's really good, Alan Lazard versus the Vikings. The Vikings lost their three starting corners from last year. Look, I know that you know we believe in the coaching staff for Minnesota, especially for their defense. But you lost three starting corners, and they didn't even get all your corners now. Rookies and guys that were pretty low on the depth chart last year, they didn't even get snaps in the preseason. So I'm pretty worried about that Vikings defense, especially to start. Plus, they don't have Everson Griffin yet. Um, you know, he is not there. So with all that said, Alan Zard, he's a good player versus the Vikings. I see him and Devontae Adams both eating. Then we have Darren Waller. This is one I really like for similar reasons, honestly, as the John Brown one. Darren Waller is the go-to guy that was there last year that is here this year for Derek Carr because Ruggs is probably starting. What we've heard tells us Brian Edwards is starting. Both of those guys are rookies, Right. And then Darren Waller, he's going to be starting, obviously, except he has an edge on those guys because he was there last year with Derek Carr. And Carolina's defense is not that great. Definitely doesn't have a Luke Keekley anymore to guard a guy like Darren Waller and make it difficult to get the ball to somebody like that. So I expect Waller to eat versus Carolina. So I love Waller in DFS. And Obviously, if you have Waller in season long, you're starting him because you took him high and you probably don't have a better tight end on your roster. But DFS, I'm starting Waller everywhere. Uh, my my two most common, honestly, actually three most common are Deshaun Jackson, so far that we've talked about, Deshaun Jackson, Darren Waller, and John Brown. Then we also have every wide receiver in the Seattle-Atlanta game. Is it possible that Seattle just runs the ball and tries to control the clock and makes that game low scoring? Yes. But is it also possible that 
versus an Atlanta defense and an Atlanta offense that's bound to score some points versus a not great Seattle defense that Seattle's forced to throw the ball as well. And this turns into a shootout? Very, very much so. And I am looking forward to it because we're going to see Russ and Matt Ryan going at each other's throats. And both of them have amazing wide receiver duos. You got Julio and Ridley on the field. And then when they're off the field, you got DK and Tyler Lockett. That is sick, and I cannot wait for it. That's going to be a good game, and I do think that that game can turn into a shootout. I am starting both Seattle receivers and both Atlanta receivers. Mix and match them among your lineups because some of them are going to go off. Obviously, not all of them can, but a few of them will. So I'm going that way for sure. And then we also have the Cincy game. Cincy versus um, Los Angeles. Got Tyrod versus the Bengals atrocious, to be honest, atrocious defense. Tyrod's going to come out, and he's going to want to prove to the team that he should be the season-long starter, and he's not going to turn the ball over. He's got a great defense that's going to get Cincy probably off the field pretty quickly, and he's going to be on the on the field running the ball. He's got great weapons, better than any weapons he's ever had, and on a per-game basis, he has always been a QB1. Like, if you average all his games that he started the three seasons in Buffalo, his average puts him as a quarterback one. He has better weapons now. So I love Tyrod. I think he's going to go off. And get this, I'm starting him in a lot, a lot of my seasonal leagues. I'm starting him week one. I am not holding back at all on Tyrod. And Eckler, actually, Eckler's going to be a really good one too because they're probably just going to control the ball, control the clock, run the ball a lot. And Eckler's the receiver there. So I love that situation for Eckler too. I think he's going to be one of the expensive running backs that you can have full confidence in. Then we have, as my last start, DFS play, whatever you want to say, Raheem Mostert versus the Cardinals. The Cardinals don't have great defense. The 49ers have a great offense. The 49ers are going to try and control the clock, keep Kyler Murray off the field. Mostert is the starter right now. And given the matchup, I think he's going to show that he is an amazing running back, and still he's going to be super efficient like he was last year. Mostert is somebody I like a lot too. Now let's talk about the opposite side of the coin, the sits. Who are people that, you know, I really don't trust them at all. And the first guy, Baker Mayfield versus Baltimore. Look, I'm already super low on Baker Mayfield. So maybe you don't want to take this, you know, advice from me. Maybe you're like, ah, you're the guy that's low on Baker. Well, I was the guy that was low on Baker last year. Everyone had him as like QB5, QB6. I had him outside my top 10 quarterbacks. Who won that one? So, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about it because I got I was right on Mayfield last year, and I think I'm going to be right on him this year, especially considering Stefanski, who just came from the Vikings, was running the ball 51% of the time. Actually, sorry, 51% of the time compared to 49% pass. Now, that was with Dalvin Cook, who often got hurt. Now he's in Cleveland with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, two really good running backs, the best one-two combo in the league. And Baltimore is also going to be controlling the clock and keeping the Browns off the field. So Mayfield's already not going to be on the field much. Plus, he doesn't run the ball as much as a lot of other guys who can still be good for fantasy if they don't pass a lot because they run a lot, like Lamar Jackson. And he's you know, not going to have the passing volume. So there's no way in my mind where Baker Mayfield can have a really good week versus Baltimore. So I'm sitting him. Another guy I'm sitting, and it's not even because I have something against him. It's kind of just because I want to see it first, bro. 
Nikhil Harry versus Miami. Look, I love him as a late round draft pick. And if you took him, props to you. Congrats. I think it's going to work out. But I'm not starting him week one versus Miami. Miami has a better defense than people realize, one. And two, Nikhil Harry, I mean, we haven't really seen him do much in the NFL yet. And I love him. As a prospect coming out of college, he was my wide receiver one. Cam Newton likes to target big guys. I love the fit, but I want to see it first. So I'm not going to start Nikhil Harry in week one versus Miami. Then another guy, Justin Jefferson. Look, most of you guys are probably on that by now, but in case you weren't, do not start Justin Jefferson because another guy, I want to see where his snap counts are at. They're saying Olabisi Johnson is the number two. So we, I'm not taking no risk on Justin Jefferson versus Green Bay. Another guy I'm sitting, look, this one is this one's super close for me. Honestly, I'm like teetering on it, but it's my boy, the guy I am in love with, one of the guys. Joe Burrow, look, I think he's going to be great for the season. I think he's got the rushing upside. He's going to have to throw the ball a lot. He's got great receivers to throw the ball to. He's kind of got like the Jameis Winston with a little more rushing kind of vibe to him right now, in my mind, especially with a horrible defense behind him and a not great O-line, but still having great receivers. The thing is, is LA is going to control that clock as probably as good as you can imagine because they have great running backs, they have a great defense, and they have a quarterback that can run and also doesn't turn the ball over. So Joe Burrow's not going to be on the field much. And when he is, look, it's COVID season. We know about the offseason, how difficult it's been. I'm not wanting to start a quarterback that's a rookie versus a really good defense that might be top five in the league in his first week when he didn't even get preseason reps. So I'm sitting Joe Burrow. And look, if he goes off, that's fine with me if he goes off on my bench. I'd rather him go off on my bench than put a dud in my starting lineup, especially because that makes me even more confident with him moving forward because he's not going to play many defenses that are better than the Chargers. Another guy I'm sitting, Leonard Fournette versus the Saints. Look, Rojo's taking, man, I say look a lot, don't I? I'm going to try and fix that. But Ronald Jones, he's taking the first snaps versus the Saints. If he can get anything going, which I think he will be able to, Fournette's not going to see the field that much. And I know that reports came out saying, oh, Fournette's going to have a role. Yeah, he's going to have a role. So is LaShawn McCoy. You're not starting LaShawn McCoy. And, you know, like, that's coach speak. I mean, he's going to have a role. Yeah, you're not going to say, oh, we're not going to play him week one, blah, blah, blah. Of course not. You're not going to say that. You're going to give him, if you're giving any any carries to him at all, anything, if he's touching the ball one time, what are you going to say? He's going to have a role. So don't play into that. Don't let that affect your judgment. And the Saints defense is already, you know, kind of stingy. So I'm not playing Leonard Fournette. I'm not even playing Ronald Jones either. But I do think Ronald Jones is going to have a better game, at least in week one versus the Saints, than Leonard Fournette. Amari Cooper is another guy that I'm sitting versus the Rams. Why? Because of Jalen Ramsey. We have seen over and over and over again, Amari Cooper does not perform against a cornerback that is one of the best in the league, a cornerback that can shadow, a cornerback that's going to lock him down. We see it consistently. Like, even last year, you could just look at the Lions game. Darius Slay locked up Amari Cooper. Like, he, he's that's part of the reason he's inconsistent. If you look at the games where he's good and bad and good and bad, look at the corners, because that's going to be the reason why. And this is going to be the reason why Amari Cooper's not going to do good week one, because they're going to put Jalen Ramsey on him. And... 
They have CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup now that they can look to. So they don't need Amari Cooper. They're not going to have to force targets to him. So I don't expect Amari Cooper to have a good week. Lastly, all the Giants receivers versus Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a great defense. And that combined with the fact that all the Giants receivers have never been on the field at the same time. So we have no idea who's going to be Daniel Jones' favorite target. We have no idea how each person is going to get used. Is... Golden Tate going to be in the slot, or is Sterling Shepard going to be in the slot? Are they both going to be in the slot? Is Evan Ingram going to be in the slot? Is, I mean, we know Darius Slayton's going to be on the outside. That's pretty much all we know. And we don't know how the targets are going to shake up. What if they just target Ingram and, you know, only one of the two between Shepard and Tate? Or what if it's an Ingram-Barkley-Slayton day? And no matter whose day it is, it's versus the Pittsburgh defense, so I'm not touching any Giants receivers. Now let's talk about and this is, I'm going to give you guys a couple options because we don't all want to be putting in the same lineup that kind of defeats the purpose or the same uh, pick that defeats the purpose. Survivor picks on FanDuel. Look, if you don't know what that is, go get on FanDuel. The only time you can do it is before week one. You have to do it before the week starts. Um, not before Thursday, but before Sunday. So the survivor pick, basically the way it works for those that don't know, I'll just run down really quick. So if you already know, just bear with me. Basically every week you pick one team to win. If the team that you picked wins, you move on to the next week. Everyone that got that was wrong gets eliminated from the pool, okay? But here's the trick. Here's the catch. Every week that you use a team, that team is no longer on the board for you to use again. So you have to, to decide, you know, do I want to take the super safe, easy wins in the beginning? And as I get further down the road, hope that I can get the hard decisions right? Or do I swing early for the home runs and try and get the hard teams out the way and make it easy down the stretch? That is how I like to play. And that's why my survivor pick is the Chargers versus the Bengals. The Chargers right now are starting Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is a good quarterback who's not going to turn the ball over. And they're playing the Bengals who are horrible, especially defensively. Well, they're not horrible by any means on offense, but they're horrible defensively. There is almost no way that I see the Chargers losing this game unless Joe Burrow is a future Hall of Famer. Unless Joe Burrow comes out Patrick Mahomes style game one. But see, the thing with Patrick Mahomes is he had Andy Reid one and two, he had a whole season under his belt and actually did play one season game. Uh, I think it might have been versus Denver in his first year to end the season. So it's not even the same situation, but just saying, if Joe Burrow comes out and lights the world on fire, that's the only way that it happens, and I don't think that's going to happen. Especially, like we were talking about earlier, considering the offseason. So I love the Chargers, and I want to get them out of the way now because as much as I think Tyrod Taylor should start the whole season, and as much as I believe he will, there's a good chance that they start Justin Herbert at some point. Once Herbert takes over for the Chargers, you cannot trust them, and you cannot pick them. I am not going to pick a, a team with a rookie quarterback in a survivor pool. So I'm trying to get the Chargers out the way while they have a great matchup and while they have a vet quarterback that I can trust. So the Chargers are my pick. But if you don't want to go that way, if you think that's crazy and you want some other options, some other options for me, this is a super easy one. I think, you know, this is like shoot, making a layup. The Eagles versus the Redskins. Do you even need me to explain that? I'm pretty sure we all agree the Eagles are winning that game. Another one. This is another layup. Bills versus Jets. 
The Jets are not going to be able to do anything versus that Bills defense, especially considering Mims, Denzel Mims, their rookie wide receiver from the second round, and Brashad Perryman, who came from the Bucks, have been missing plenty of camp time, and they're both new to the team. Basically, it's going to be the Jameson Crowder Le'Veon Bell show, and that's not going to get it done versus the Bills defense. Plus, the Jets defense sucks, and the Bills are going to run it down their throat all game and keep the ball off their hands. Are you seeing a theme here? The teams that I like, especially in survivor picks, are teams with good defenses that can control the ball on offense, control the clock. So that's the Chargers. That's the Bills. The Eagles will be able to do that versus the Redskins, but they might just let Carson Wentz let it rip. It doesn't matter. The Redskins suck. Oh, and I keep saying Redskins. I really need to stop doing that. Sorry. I'm sure you guys are like, dude, it's not the Redskins. Washington football team. Ugh, that's so long. I'm just going to start saying Washington. Um, so yeah, the Eagles are going to destroy Washington. And then my last pick, my last option for you guys, remember, I'm going Chargers, and if you want to follow me, follow my, you know, my path, you can. Um, But I will say, if you guys never diversify from me, and I end up making it really far, we're all going to be stuck there together. And it doesn't end, uh, I forgot to say this, so the way the survivor picks on FanDuel uh, ends, it's free, by the way, to enter, it's free. But the last person standing wins, uh, what is it, 50,000? Like 50000 or 100000 I actually don't remember the, the amount, but you'll see it when you go check it out. But the last person standing wins the money, or or if more than one person make it all the way through the season, which has not happened yet, to my knowledge, like it never gets that far because it's very difficult, especially as you start getting teams eliminated that you can't choose from anymore, which is why I want to get the, the hard teams out the way, which is why I'm taking the Chargers. Um, if a whole bunch of people make it through the season, then it gets split. The pot gets split among those people. So if... I end up making it all the way, and you did the exact same picks as me. We're all going to split, which is cool. It could be like a deep dive split. But being honest, like it's super tough to get to the end, but it's super fun. So I'm going Chargers, and then the other guys are Eagles, Bills, and Steelers. Steelers are also going to run it down the Giants' throats and control the ball, and the Steelers' defense is not going to let Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Come on. Come on. Daniel Jones. He's not going to do nothing versus the Steelers. With that said, that's my survivor picks. Now we're going to get into my defensive streamers. You should not be drafting. So if you haven't drafted yet, well, obviously you did because this is releasing on Thursday. I'm recording it on Tuesday night, but this is releasing on Thursday. So obviously your drafts are over. Hopefully you didn't. I'll change it to that. Hopefully you didn't draft, you know, a defense early. Hopefully you didn't go for the 49ers or who's another high one, Uh, the Bears or the Steelers. Well, the Steelers actually have a good matchup week one, so I don't mind that one. But I'm taking defenses always. I'm always streaming defenses. You play the defense by the matchup, not by the level of the defense. If you draft the 49ers, you're handicapping yourself the entire season because you're never going to want to drop them, despite when they're playing the Chiefs, or the Ravens, or the Bucks, or the Saints, like no matter whether they have a tough matchup or not, you're going to keep them around because you're not going to drop somebody else for another defense and you're not going to drop the Niners defense. So you're handicapping yourself. Don't do that to yourself. Just take a defense that has a good matchup. And those are the Chargers versus the Bengals. Already talked about them. Eagles versus the Redskins. Talked about them. Bills versus the Jets. Talked about them. Steelers versus the Giants. Talked about them. All four of those teams can control the ball on offense. All four of those teams are playing bad offenses, except for the Giants aren't horrible. The Bengals aren't horrible either, but the Chargers defense is elite and the Steelers defense is elite. So those two things combined with good run games, that's the easy one for me. 
So my favorite one, my absolute favorite defense is the Eagles versus Dwayne Haskins. Look, I know they're saying he looks way better. I haven't seen it yet. And Darius Slay is going to lock down Terry McLaurin. Even if McLaurin gets open, because I know he's a really good receiver, he'll probably beat Slay once or twice. But Terry McLaurin's their only target. And if Darius Slay is able to able to even contain him, and I think he can do more than that, but if he's able to contain him, the, the Redskins have nowhere else to go with the ball. So they might score zero. I wouldn't be surprised. So that's why the Eagles are my favorite. And also Dwayne Haskins, he could easily turn the ball over a couple times. Then the Chargers, I like them for the reasons stated before. Same with the Bills. Now let's talk about situations to monitor. These are things that will change our perception for the future, okay? The first thing, Hunt versus Chubb. How are their touches split? Does Chubb, excuse me, does Chubb get way more carries than Kareem Hunt? Does Kareem Hunt get way more targets and receptions than Nick Chubb? And the ultimate question, the question that holds the most value for fantasy, how do they split the red zone work? Hunt was way more efficient last year in the red zone than Chubb was, but Chubb got way more work in the red zone than Hunt did. Now, the thing that makes things difficult, if that's not already difficult enough, is the fact that Stefanski is now taking over play calling duties and influencing what that offense does. Does he prefer Hunt over Chubb? Does he prefer Chubb over Hunt? We don't know, but we do know that Hunt is the better receiver, and we also know that Hunt just got re-signed. So they obviously value Hunt, and maybe they value him as that red zone double threat, the dual threat. Does he go out for the reception, or does he take a carry? Maybe both of them are on the field when they're in the red zone to make things even more difficult. We have no idea how that's going to work out, so I'm definitely monitoring that situation, and hopefully we'll get enough information where I can give you guys a good result coming you know, on the next podcast once the week is over on Tuesday and tell you what happened, you know, did Chubb dominate red zone? Did Hunt dominate the red zone? Was it split 50-50? How do we feel about these guys moving forward? That's basically the theme for the situations to monitor. Here's the second situation to monitor. Kind of talked about it earlier between Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's touch count. When does he get the ball? Why does he get the ball? And how much does he get the ball? Those are all three very important questions that will help us dictate when and how, or basically just dictate, you know, when to play him depending on matchup, depending on, you know, what we figure out from week one. Then Justin Jefferson, how much targets does he truly get? Is he really the three or is he actually the two? And it was just coach speak. Akers workload, Cam Akers for the Rams. Malcolm Brown might take the first carry, but does he take the most carries or does Cam Akers? Does Cam Akers get used in the receiving game? Does Cam Akers get used in the red zone? That's going to be very important to monitor. DeAndre Hopkins, what's his target share like for Arizona? Is Christian Kirk's target share last year as the number one highest target share on the team was 25%. Does Hopkins surpass that? If so, by how much? How are his red zone targets? How much better is that offense because of him? So many questions there that we can find at least some answers to, especially because they are playing a good defense in the 49ers. And I think you you learn more when an offense plays a good defense than when they play a bad defense. Because when they play a good defense, they're forced to go to the best player, you know, and to use their best schemes and use, you know, all the best tricks in their bag. So I think that's really going to help us figure out the situation in Arizona. What about Gurley? See, some people think Gurley's going to be sick because he's in a good offense. And, you know, that's all, that's all you need for a running back is a high-flying offense and Gurley's still good and he's got it. 
Maybe he doesn't got it. Maybe he still looks like he lost a step. Maybe he looks like he lost two. Maybe, like my boy Zach wrote in an article about um, about Todd Gurley, maybe Gurley is not used as a receiver because Dirk Cutter doesn't really like using his primary back as a receiver, and he likes using a receiving back separately from their primary back. So maybe Gurley's not as good there as we think. There's a lot of questions to be answered about Gurley. Another thing, going to my own team, we have two things to look at. How does Gronk shake out, and how does O.J. Howard shake out? Do the Bucks try and preserve Gronk, just keep him warm, keep him in the flow of the game, and preserve him for what should be a good playoff run? And, you know, hope he stays healthy and not overutilize him during the season? That's what I think they should do. Or do they use him as if he's the guy there, and they use him just like the Patriots use him on the field all the time? Or do they just bring him in for red zone situations and make him a a good DFS play from week to week because he has good touchdown potential because he's always in when they're in the red zone. Then same thing for Howard. When's Howard on the field? How much? Where? Why? Stuff like that. These are questions that are really going to help us project things for the future into the season. Then the second thing for the Bucks: Rojo versus Fournette. I'm sure Rojo's taking the first carries. The question is how good does he do with them and how long is his leash? If he makes one mistake, is Fournette in already? Because if Fournette is in off one Rojo mistake and then we see Fournette make a mistake and he's not pulled, then that tells you Fournette's the guy. If Rojo makes a mistake, gets pulled, Fournette gets put in, he makes a mistake, he gets pulled, and then LaShawn goes in or Rojo goes in, and it's just like that's a rotating door you can't trust. So basically, you either need one person to be flawless or... You still don't know what's going on, but we'll see. We'll see who gets used in the red zone, who gets used in the receiving game. I think LaShawn McCoy is going to be the receiving back to start off. I think it's going to be Rojo and McCoy. I don't think Fournette's going to be used that way at all, especially because he was just added to the team. Then we have the Jags backfield. James Robinson is supposedly the clear number one, but we haven't seen it. And, you know, we've all been fooled plenty of times before by a depth chart or by a coach saying this is our guy so maybe that's going to happen here maybe it's not James Robinson maybe it is I think it is but we don't know until we see it then Moss versus Singletary we all know Moss is going to have the gore role Singletary is going to retain his role the one thing that's up for grabs is the receptions is Moss are they gonna because Moss is definitely a better receiver than Singletary do they realize it right away and Moss is taking the receptions and the targets from now or is it going to take a few weeks of Singletary not being good there till they put Moss in and also, we just want to see, you know, how good is Moss? And also, how does having a better running back than Frank Gore in that in that role with Moss affect how much Josh Allen runs? So there's some actually pretty decent questions there with the Bills, things to look at. Then, Nikhil Harry and Cam Newton talked about it earlier. How's their chemistry? Burroughs boys. What about Burroughs boys? Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, T. Higgins, Auden Tate, who leads the team in receptions, or I mean, who leads the, the league? Oh, my goodness. Who leads the team in targets? Who is on the field in the most crucial crucial situations? Who's on the field during third downs? Who's on the field when they're in the red zone? Those are things that we want to know. Tyler Boyd, by the way, is the answer to all of those things, but you'll see in due time. And Auden Tate might be a sleeper. He might end up starting over T. Higgins because I know T. Higgins has not been doing much in camp. Then we have, but I, I think he's fine for Dynasty. Don't worry about T. Higgins. He's going to be great. Then we have the last one, do the Broncos pass a lot? I've gone back and forth with a couple guys on Twitter about this. You know, do they play to their team's strengths of a great defense, which by the way, Von Miller right now is getting checked out. Hopefully Von Miller is okay for the season. 
there's a chance that he is good for this week and there's a chance that he misses the season. He hasn't had his MRI done yet. We'll find out. We'll find that out soon. By the time this releases, because remember, this is Tuesday night for me, but this is releasing Thursday morning. By the time it's released, you may already know the answer to that. So you'll kind of have an edge on me that like compared to what I know now for this question. But do the Broncos pass a lot? Because they have a really good defense and they have three, three really good running backs. And last year they ran the ball a lot. Their defense is only better this year than it was last year. And, you know, they're going to be playing Tennessee. So they don't have a reason to pass a lot because that's going to be a low-scoring game. Derrick Henry and Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay are going to be just grinding it out. So that's interesting to see because if the Broncos aren't passing a lot, I think they're going to be in a lot of games that are low-scoring. And, you know, if they don't pass a lot, then Cortland Sutton is going to be on track for being what I projected a bust. So that's going to be a good thing to figure out. And then that that pretty much wraps it up. So we went over the Thrifty Thursday pickup. Remember, pick up Duke Johnson or Darrell Williams this week. See what happens. Then we went through starts, DFS plays, sits, wins I'm confident in, hence the survivor picks, the Chargers, Eagles, Bills, Steelers. Defensive streamers, Eagles, Chargers, Bills, Steelers, same four teams. Then the situations to monitor. And that wraps it up. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let me know in the the review and rating section. You know, if you have a question for me, you can drop a question in a review that you leave and I will answer it on the show. I'll give you a shout out. And um, yeah, that's about it. I'm super excited for tonight. And what's my prediction? I think Kansas City comes out the gate hot, no surprise to anyone, and beats the Texans 34-17. That's the number I've been sticking with for the past two weeks. I'm sticking with it all the way through, 34-17. The um, Texans get two touchdowns and a field goal, and one of those touchdowns is going to be in garbage time, and the Chargers get four touchdowns and two field goals. That's my prediction. Or not Chargers, uh, Chiefs, sorry. Obviously, that's what I meant. Um, the Chiefs versus the Texans is going to be a good one. We got Will Fuller going off. We're going to see David Johnson in a Texans uniform, Brandon Cooks in a Texans uniform, Randall Cobb in a Texans uniform, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Oh, I can't wait for it. I cannot wait for it in the Chiefs uniform. And yeah, it's going to be a fireworks show. Hope you guys are ready for it. I'm excited. And I'm going to start on Twitter my week one takeaways thread. And I'm going to continuously be updating, just commenting and continuing that thread every single game, every single game I'm watching, what's happening. But it's not going to be, you know, nonsense. It's not going to be like, oh, this guy just caught a third down reception and moves the chains. Now they run it on first down. No, it's not going to be anything like that. It's not going to be like a game cast or, you know, like I'm calling the game. It's going to be stuff that matters for fantasy. If Clyde gets pulled out when they get in the red zone for some reason and Daryl Williams gets put in, that's something I'll tweet. If, you know, Brandon Cook seems to be leading the team in targets, that's something I'll tweet. You know, I'm going to tweet things that, you know, matter. And it's going to be a thread that continues all the way through to the Monday Night Games. And you guys will always be able to access it. You guys can save it, bookmark it, whatever you want to do. And um, that wraps it up for me. If you follow me and listen from Instagram, go check out Twitter because that's where I'm going to be the most active this season. And if you're on Twitter, go check out my Instagram. Although I'm not as active, I definitely am active there. And sometimes I post things on there that I don't post on Twitter. So... Let me know how you guys like the show, and have a good one. I'm Brandon Gabor. Peace.